The church in Corinth was a church in development. Paul had planted it amidst tremendous hardship when he was in Corinth. In Acts chapter 18, describe how Paul spoke every Sabbath at the synagogue in Corinth about Jesus Christ. The Jews who heard Paul speaking in the synagogue rejected his message, and Acts chapter 18 and verse 6 tells us that they reviled him. And it came to a point where Paul was ultimately forced to leave the synagogue, but continued to teach in a home in the region. And as he did so, people came to know the Lord. That, of course, stirred up the jealousy of the Jews, and they eventually made, according to Acts 18 and verse 12, a united attack and brought Paul to trial. And that trial eventually resulted in the beating of a synagogue leader, according to Acts chapter 18 and verse 17. And so the church in Corinth was established amid rejection and hardship. But it grew in numbers. And as it grew in numbers, it began, of course, to experience growing pains. And those growing pains were, in many cases, quite serious. First, there were the divisions that began to emerge among believers. And writing to them in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10 to 12, Paul says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you, my brothers. What, what I mean is that each of you is saying, I, I follow Paul, I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. And so there were divisions beginning to emerge and cracks in the fellowship in the church in Corinth. But secondly, there were also personal clashes between believers in the church. There were individuals who, who didn't like Paul, and writing to them in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 3, Paul says, But with me it is a small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself. The apostle had to deal with individuals in this church who really didn't like his ministry, didn't like him, didn't like his ministry style. Then third... There were, the, there were cases of sexual immorality in the church. And so writing in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 1 says this, It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you, and of a kind that is not tolerated even among pagans, for a man has his father's wife. And then fourthly, in the church in Corinth, we see how believers and the division among believers was to such an extent that they were bringing each other to, to civil courts. And so Paul addresses this in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 1 when he says this, When one of you has a grievance against another, does he dare go to law before the unrighteous instead of the saints? And then fifthly, there were the conflicting opinions about Christian practice. 
Should a believer eat food sacrificed to idols? 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Some said yes, it's all right. Others said no. Should a woman wear a head covering in church? 1 Corinthians chapter 11. There was various opinions about that in the church and these various opinions about church practice caused division. Then sixthly, there was the drunkenness at the Lord's table. And so Paul, speaking in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 20 to 21, says this, When you come together, it's not the Lord's Supper that you eat. For in eating, each of you goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry and the other gets drunk. And seventhly, there were the chaotic worship services, people began speaking in tongues all at the same time. People prophesied all at the same time, competing to be heard to the point where nobody really got anything out of this service because everybody was trying to be heard. And so Paul addresses some very serious matters in the church in Corinth. And he addresses them in a very strong manner as he writes his first epistle to the Corinthians. And that first letter to the Corinthians was so strong and powerful that it, it deeply concerned Paul as he wrote it, how they would receive it. And that weighed heavily upon him until Titus returned from Corinth with a report about how that letter had gone over and what had happened as a result. And so we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 6 to 7, the following words. But God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus, and not only by his coming, but also by the comfort with which he was comforted by you as he told us of your longing, your mourning, your zeal for me, so that I rejoiced still more. And so Paul, as he hears the report from Titus about how that first letter went, he, he speaks here about their, 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 their longing for him, their mourning, their, their zeal. And that made him rejoice because that difficult letter had been received by the Corinthians. And Paul tells us here how, how he, the, the word from Titus had deeply comforted him. Your longing, your mourning, your zeal for me so that I rejoice even more. And in those words, the apostle, the apostle is telling us that that letter, as hard as it was and as rebuking as it was, did not destroy the relationship with Paul. The Corinthians still respected Paul. They heard his words, those strong words of reprimand to them in 1 Corinthians, and they corrected all that needed to be corrected, and they became a stronger church as a result. And Paul's concern about his harsh for letter is seen as he as he writes in first in second Corinthians chapter 7 verses 8 and 9 where he says is for even if I made you grieve with my letter I did not regret it I do not regret it though I did regret it for I see that that letter grieved you though only for a while as it is 
I rejoice not because you were grieved, but because you were grieved into repenting, for you felt a godly grief, so that you suffered no loss through us. And so Paul understood just how harsh he had been in his first letter to the Corinthians. And like a loving parent, he had had to speak what they didn't want to hear. His intention, however, was not to be mean, but to see them deal with the issues that would only hinder their relationship with each other and with God. And while that letter did hurt, it did accomplish its purpose. And the Corinthians would be stronger for it in the end. And notice here how Paul, as he reflects on what had happened and how they had responded to his letter, rejoices at the positive outcome in Second Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 11 when he says this, For you foresee what earnestness this godly grief has produced in you, but also what eagerness to clear yourselves. What indignation, what fear, what longing, what zeal, what punishment. At every point, you have proved yourself innocent in the matter. And Paul seems almost to be leaping for joy at how the Corinthians had at every point proven themselves innocent. That difficult letter of Paul had transformed the church. The believers in Corinthians took it seriously and made the necessary changes. And they were set free now to move ahead in the purpose of God. All the obstacles had been removed. Now, I can imagine, I can imagine how that, the reception of that letter was difficult. It would not have been an easy letter for them to read. It would have been shocking. They had been moving along as a church, uh, and then that letter came, and that letter demanded a response, and their leadership team was forced to respond things could not continue as they were. The status quo would have been so much easier and much more comfortable, but that letter demanded action. And Paul's words in that difficult letter of 1 Corinthians could not be ignored. No. What is striking about this whole story about the letter of 1 Corinthians, Paul's uh, struggle as he sent it, the response of the Corinthians and uh, to that difficult letter? What is most striking in this is what Paul says about 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 12, and here he tells us the purpose for his letter and why he wrote to the Corinthians that very first difficult letter. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 12, Paul says this about the letter. So although I wrote to you, it was not for the sake of the one who did the wrong, nor for the sake of the one who suffered the wrong, but in order that your earnestness for us might be revealed to you in the sight of God. Now, Paul says three things here. First, 
he did not write the letter of 1 Corinthians, that difficult rebuking letter, for the sake of the one who did wrong. So although I wrote to you, it was not for the sake of the one who did the wrong. Now, we've seen that there were many issues in the church in Corinth. Division, believers taking other believers to court, immorality in the church, chaos in worship, differences regarding Christian practice, and all of those issues needed to be addressed. And it would be very easy for Paul and for the Corinthians to focus on the people who are doing the wrong. They could have taken up a position of attack and began shooting their arrows. And you and I in the similar situation can make it our priority to cut out all those bad branches that are just hindering the growth. Now the problem with that is that as soon as we start cutting away the bad branches, we begin to see that there's something wrong with every single branch in the vine. And we cut off one bad branch after another, and only to find that before long we've killed the entire plant because there are no perfect branches, and there are no branches left on that vine. And if we're looking for perfect, we're never going to find it in this world, nor you're ever going to find it in the church. And so when Paul wrote, and when Paul wrote, so although I wrote to you, it was not for the sake of the one who did wrong. He is telling us that there was a different priority for that letter. The priority was not on the individuals who did wrong. Now understand that Paul didn't encourage, they did encourage the church to address the sin in their midst. He offered them advice on what to do with the man who was sleeping with his father's wife. He told them to address the drunkenness in the Lord's table, at the Lord's table. And these issues were, uh, had to be addressed, but they were not the central focus of his letter. There was something much deeper. You see, you can cut off all the branches, but the root continues to push up branches that are just as bad and sometimes even worse. You can spend all season cutting off bad branches, but what do you have in the end? Well, unless you go deeper, you'll end up with a plant that continues to produce bad branches. If all the Corinthians did was remove the bad branches, there'd be no permanent solution because sooner or later more branches, more bad branches would grow in their place. And so Paul tells the Corinthians that he didn't write the letter of 1 Corinthians primarily for the sake of those who did wrong. But notice secondly in, in verse 12 of chapter 7 that Paul tells us the second thing about the letter of 1 Corinthians. He tells us that he did not write the letter for the sake of the one who suffered the wrong, nor for the sake of the one who suffered the wrong, he says. You see, when there's sin in our midst, there are going to be people who suffer. People will be hurt. And when a sheep is hurt or threatened, the shepherd springs to action. Now, I admit that as a shepherd, this is a growing thing for me. I fall short of what I need to be. I know that. 
I do, however, feel the pain of those who have been hurting or who have suffered wrong, and I ask the Lord to give me an even more compassionate heart, one that feels more for those who are suffering wrong, and that I believe to be the purpose of God for me in the role that he has given me. But notice, however, that Paul tells the Corinthians that he did not write this letter primarily for those who suffered wrong. Now, there's no doubt in my mind that Paul felt that those who were hurt in Corinth by the, the, the felt for those who were hurt in Corinth by, by the, the division and the chaos and the immorality, but this was not his primary goal in writing his first epistle. Now, it's wonderful to know that others care and feel for your pain and your hurt. And we're all called to weep with those who weep, and we're challenged to bear one another's burdens. And we all want to know and need this kind of support. But the problem, however, is that as important as it is to support and to weep with one another and to bear each other's burden, we will all fall short of God's intention if that's all we are as a church. You see, the church needs to be more than just a place where we all empathize with each other over our sufferings in a sinful world. The church is more than a sympathy group. And if we're going to sit around and if all we do is sit around feeling each other's pain, we'll never get anywhere. And so Paul makes it clear that he didn't write this letter primarily for the sake of those who suffered wrong. There was a higher purpose for Paul's letter, and God had called the church, and God has called the church to move beyond the pain into victory. He's called the church to overcome the hurt and experience true victory in Jesus Christ. And this brings us to Paul's final point in verse 12, where he tells the Corinthians this. Paul wrote the letter in order that the earnestness of the, Christ, of the Corinthians for the apostles might be revealed before God. But in order that your earnestness for us might be revealed to you in the sight of God. That was the purpose and primary goal of Paul in writing 1 Corinthians. That the earnestness of the Corinthians might be revealed. Their earnestness for the apostle might be revealed in the sight of God. Now, at first glance, you might think that Paul's saying something pretty selfish here. I'm not writing to you about those who did wrong, nor am I writing to you about those who've been hurt. I'm writing to you to see how eager you are towards me and the other apostles. See, Paul's concern here is that the Corinthians demonstrate their support for him and the other apostles. Now, consider this for a moment. Who were the apostles? Well, they were God's earthly representatives for the establishment and the establishment of the New Testament church. These men were inspired by God to communicate the heart of God for the church, and their writings form the New Testament as we have it today. They instructed us in the truth of God and his purpose for the church, and we consider their writings to be inspired by God and authoritative in our day. And what is Paul telling the Corinthians here? He's telling them that if they can remove, that they can remove one sinful practice after another from the church, 
But if they reject the apostolic word as their authority, they have no base to stand on. He's telling them that the more that that the more that more than cutting off the individual branches, they needed to deal with the root issue, and that root issue was their need to submit fully and entirely to the the inspired apostolic word, the word of God as given to the church through the apostles, that word was to be their guide, and only when the Corinthians were willing to accept this authority would they have any basis for life and practice, and only when we as believers commit ourselves to the truth of the scriptures as given through the apostles can we have any kind of direction, any kind of hope, any kind of authority if the Corinthians didn't agree on the authority of the apostolic word and submit to it, they would spend the rest of their lives battling each over each other over what was right and what was wrong. They needed to deal with the root problem. And the root problem for Paul was not the sins of the church so much as it was the rejection of the authority of scripture, the rejection of the teaching of the apostles. And we can spend our lives in a losing battle fighting the weeds, but what we need to do instead is deal with the root, and that root has to do with the authority of God's word in life and practice. Get this right, and we have common ground to stand on. That's not to say we'll all agree on the interpretation and application, but at least we will have and an authority upon which to stand and an, and an authority upon which to base our practice and our doctrine. And so Paul rejoiced because of what he saw in the church in Corinth. Yes, the letter they received from him was a difficult one, and it forced them into a decision. That letter was not so much about who was right or who was wrong or who was sinning and who was right with God, nor was it about so much about whether he would, whether believers would huddle together in mutual support and comfort in the face of adversity. It was something much more important than that. Would they stand for the truth God had given to the apostles? Would they make this the standard for their lives? Would they commit themselves to obedience to that authority? Would the glory of God be their goal? A glory that could only be honored by submission to him and his purpose as revealed through the apostles. Would they put aside their ideas of, I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos, I'm of Cephas, and submit to the authority of God's word as ordained through the word of the apostles? Paul was overwhelmed by the response of the believers in Corinth. What earnestness, he says, this godly grief has produced in you, but also what eagerness to clear yourself, what indignation, what fear, what longing, what zeal, what punishment. At every point you have proved yourself innocent in this matter. That letter was difficult, and as difficult as it was, however, they took the church of Corinth to a new level in their relationship with God. Personally, I want wonder if it didn't heal them and extend their life and ministry for years to come. Had they rejected that letter and not carefully discerned the purpose of God through it, they may have very well died a slow death 
of unfruitfulness and division. And so God moved through a difficult letter. God challenged the believers in Corinth through the epistle that Paul wrote to them, an epistle that reprimanded them, an epistle that challenged them. And divisive barriers needed to be broken down. The Apollos group needed to accept the Cephas group. And some people left. The man sleeping with his father's wife needed to be removed. Worship style had to be adjusted. The prophets had to learn how to speak one at a time. Those who were speaking in tongues had to learn how to do that properly. Believers who were taking other believers to court needed to settle their disputes. Those eating all all the, the, the food sacrificed to idols needed to... Uh, address that matter so that they could learn how to walk side by side with someone who didn't have the that same opinion as those. Those eating all the food and getting drunk at the table of the Lord needed to learn how to consider others and live in harmony with others. That letter spoke to many issues in the church, but God had a future for the work in Corinth, and that future demanded that God's people take a look at where they were. And as he prepared them for the future, God began to deal with the issues that would only hinder their future, their growth, their ministry. And so he ministered to them through Paul, through a very difficult letter, God has a way of working. And sometimes those most difficult and trying circumstances reveal things in us that need to be addressed. But be assured that whatever the trial might be, whatever the difficult letter you receive is, whatever those difficult words are, whatever those reprimands are, God wants to use them to shape you, and to transform your life, to give you a future and a hope.